Eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust? Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting Chainalysis.com slash the scoop now. This episode is brought to you by IWC. IWC Schaffhausen is a Swiss luxury watch manufacturer based in Schaffhausen, Switzerland. Known for its unique engineering approach to watchmaking, IWC combines the best of human craftsmanship and creativity with cutting-edge technology and processes. Discover the full collection at IWC.com or download the IWC app to experience a virtual try-on now. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the blocks. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblockcrypto.com slash terms dash service. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block, and we are at the office, my favorite place in the world. <laughs> On the other side of the mic is our guest, Raj Gokul, co-founder and chief operations officer of Solana Labs. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Frank. Good to have you in the city of New York. I love it here. Yeah. How are you enjoying your trip? Oh, it's great. The weather's awesome. People are awesome. The energy's great. I decided like a year ago I wanted to spend more time here, and uh, I was hoping the momentum, the energy would, would stay the same. It has. Is that more about your own personal life, or are there Solana things to be done here? Definitely Solana things to be done. We're, you know, Solana Labs is opening a, a new office. Solana Foundation has an office. It's like an incubator space. Solana Spaces has a, you know, store in, in Hudson Yards. There's a lot of great, you know, teams building here. So there's definitely a lot of gravitational pool for uh, for the community, for the ecosystem. So you also get to see more of Austin's face, which is great. Love Austin. Quite the treasure. So, yeah, you guys launched a physical store or, or when I say you guys, it's actually somewhat inaccurate because it's actually a separate team. Yeah. At least that's my understanding. But a Solana related team has launched a physical store in New York, in Hudson Yards, which serves as like an analog window into the Solana crypto world. Analog window. Yeah. You got to crawl through a window. To get, <laughs> to get it's uh, Alice in Wonderland's, uh, you know, journey down the rabbit hole. Yeah. I mean, the team is, is awesome. Um, I, I think similar to a lot of things in, in crypto, if uh, you don't have a really good seasoned team that knows what they're doing, it's it's easy to kind of get lost and focus on the wrong things. But that team is the the former team from Beta, uh, like B8TA. So if you guys remember, you know, before COVID, there was, uh, I think, a store in, in Hudson Yards, one in Miami, San Francisco. They had dozens of stores and they were expanding internationally. And it was basically like, 
the Apple store for everything. So consumer electronics companies were working with them to just make an in-person experience that's really approachable for stuff that people were curious about but didn't really know how to, uh, you know, onboard to or they wanted to use it in person. So like, you know, they were onboarding people to VR and, and electric skateboards and drones, stuff that you just want to, you know, touch with your hands. And um, so, yeah, you know, COVID hit them pretty hard, but the team is super tight knit and uh, they love Solana. So Solana Foundation did a grant for them to start creating these basically like ambassador space uh, locations. And the first one's in Hudson Yards. Apparently right now it's it's completely packed. There's like hundreds of people coming through just starting their first phantom wallet and, you know, sending their first USDC and learning that, okay, using crypto is like not that complicated. It's yeah. kind of as easy as using Well, Venmo. Austin was saying, you know, people kind of are poking their head in and saying, you know, we know Solana. Yeah. And yeah. Checking it out. I think, I mean, it's crazy to to think about, but we've gotten to a point, you know, where I think I see Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana as as kind of the, the three names that pop up across most uh, mainstream channels. You know, it's just, it's much more recognizable, at least to the point where you get, you know, a few people uh, wearing a shirt in the mall that you see or or folks that just see the logo and, and know to step in and, and start asking questions. Do you um, get recognized ever? Um, I guess more at crypto events than, than <laughs> anything uh, anything else. Not in the general public. Yeah. You need Not yet. Grow a mustache and then... Yeah, I got it. Or I can get some really cool gold-rimmed glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta complete, it's got to be two things to complete the look. It's one or the other. So who came up with the idea to do this? Um, good question. I mean, I think with the Saga device coming out and the in-person, you know, activations that we've seen just kind of blow our socks off, like Breakpoint last year and the hacker houses, I think for whatever reason, it's not something that we expected the Solana ecosystem to be really good at and make really good use of, but in-person just matters. And, you know, people have all this pent-up energy and I think, you know, everyone who is kind of an enthusiast or a developer in, in the Solana ecosystem is just like really good vibes. And so, yeah, I think it was probably Breakpoint that I started thinking about the idea that a, that a physical space with a more permanent location could make sense for normies. That was also where the Hacker House series started because it was a bunch of developers that decided they didn't want to go to a big, you know, conference. They just wanted to be in a four white walls and a bunch of desks and building so a lot of this stuff kind of came organically, but I met the beta team maybe a couple months before that and told them that, you know, if they had any ideas for how to work together, that they should, you know, reach out. And then it was later after Breakpoint that I learned, you know, it's probably the best use of their time to just focus on onboarding people to crypto full time. Um, just because I think we were seeing more and more normal people kind of figuring it out within, you know, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, like a few minutes of being recommended, like you can get people on Phantom, you can get them using USDC, you can get them, you know, exploring Magic Eden and, and buying and trading NFTs and people kind of get it now. It's still super early, but it's worth giving it a shot and, and they were ready to go. What are some of the other like applications that you think would appeal to normies on Solana? Yeah, I mean, I think it's easy to dream really big and long term and, you know, everyone's thinking about the metaverse and every 
financial asset on chain with, you know, 24 seven global markets, um, with free access, like that's going to happen. And, you know, peer to peer payments for all humans, it's all going to happen. And, and I think, you know, the, the thesis is that it helps to have one super performant composable global state machine that can support all of it because these composable ways that things fit together and people make use of them and, and remix them into new products is part of the magic. But I think in the in the near term, like I, I keep thinking that we're just at this, you know, dancing baby gif hmm. stage of crypto. Like, I think the first 10 or 20 million people that use the Internet, I don't know how many of them just got on the Internet to get that dancing baby gif. You that's know, the, that's the trope, right? The the earliest stages of the internet were for sharing images of cats. Yeah. I mean, images of cats were, were awesome. And then the idea of like a 3d generated baby doing a cool dance in a video on your screen that loops is like, you know, incredible at that time. Right. And you know, Oh, I want to see it. Where do I see it? I saw it on whatever Ally McBeal or something. I got to get it through email. Okay, what's an email? Um, I, it's my name at a domain. Doc, what's a domain? What's .com, right? Like, which one am I picking? How does the subject, you know, an address field work? What is BCC mm-hmm. like, you know? It always seems so obvious when somebody points it out, but when a new technology comes out, it's always just the toys, you know, the like people wanting to connect together and experience something new that feels like it wasn't possible yesterday is the thing that starts to really get people to understand it. So I'm looking at that stuff. You know, there's a bunch of examples. Do you think like price matters for the usability of some of these applications? Do people want to use Steppen if the NFTs are worthless and if GMT is not going up and to the right? I mean, I think... In an ideal world, there is a liquid market for all these assets, and there's many alternatives that, you know, test out how much the value of the assets and the sinks, um, you know, within the game affect the stickiness of users. And the good thing and the, and the wild thing about Steppen is that there is some real world value that's hard to replicate that is being produced from the thing. And it's people walking like 20% more than they were before. And... You know, I don't know how, first of all, I don't know how they've been able to keep it going this long and get that many people doing it. Because I don't know if you know this, my background was in digital health. I started my career in wearable sensors, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, right when Fitbit and Jawbone were coming out. I spent years at a, a company in digital health selling to health insurance companies a whole behavioral health program over 14 weeks that had a connected scale and pedometer and a health coach trying to get people to walk more and eat better to avoid diabetes. And and health insurance companies really cared about that outcome. Mm -hmm. And, you know, without getting into details, it's super hard. It's really, really hard. You've got two wearables on right now. Yeah, I've got an Aura on on this hand and a a Whoop and I guess an Apple Watch on this one. What is a Whoop? Whoop is like... um, it's got your, you know, respiratory rate and heart rate continuous through the day mm. and uh, and your blood oxygenation. I mean, this is the stuff we were kind of dreaming about in 20, 2011, 2012. It was oh, yeah. like, you know, 
what if you had this stuff on all the time? What insights do you get? And now, you know, you tons. S- yeah, you see it. Like Aura Bio is 2X or whatever it is. Aura is predicting COVID before the tests can show positive uh, hit rates, right? Yeah, and, because they know, can see your oxygen levels in yeah, the body. And, and pregnancies and cardiac events. Like all this stuff has happened, you know, 10 years later. It just, it's so boring now, right? It's, yeah. it's like something nobody's even really interested in talking about or cares about. But it's um, surprising that it hasn't translated into lower like insurance costs. Well, it's, you know, they're really we have slow. The technology. They're really slow to 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 integrate with this stuff, mm. right? To make use of it because and I, there's I data, mean, there's laws around like what you can do with healthcare data. Yeah, um, I think. Yeah, and I'm not an expert. Look, look, yeah, we could do a whole other podcast yeah. about how broken healthcare is. I mean, there's a reason I I got out of trying to you know make a difference in that industry and and got into crypto. Actually, I mean, Balaji like jumped from from healthcare into crypto. He was on the board of of Omada Health where I was at, and he had started Council, which was a genetic testing company. There's a bunch of people that spent years in in digital health trying to create better health outcomes and now are in crypto. I kind of see it as very similar. Like in healthcare, it felt like running through quicksand or just sprinting and, and making inches of progress. And in crypto, people complain a lot about regulation and and kind of the bureaucracy and, and the power of incumbents. But to me, it feels like we're just flying, you know, <laughs> like... You can you can really ship quickly and 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 actually regulation is fairly clear relative to you know what it is in healthcare. Do you think there are any healthcare applications in Web three? Totally. I mean, like just like I said, the outcomes for Stepin are very meaningful for two million people. I haven't talked to that team. I don't know you know what their ambitions are. I know they're doing like brand deals with sneaker companies and and stuff like that, but. Um, What's technically new with in the world of health insurance? Mm-hmm. It's you know it's pulling risk, managing and and being responsible for that risk for a, for a population, and then it's trying to create you know better outcomes. And like we said, this you know the hardware, the sensors, the data, the analytics, the pro the consumer products, like all this stuff exists, and it's just not really you know being used. Do I think you know in the next year there's going to be a protocol based health insurance you know company that integrates with aura and and whoop and and apple uh, health data and charges people accordingly or gives people better indications of getting treatment earlier i don't know but i think that's likely to happen in the future at some point or there can be a whole slew of saga related wearables that that roll out at some point Maybe we'll see. I think I think there's a lot of uh, other products in the roadmap for Saga before we get into wearables. At some point, does Saga, the phone that you guys announced, I was actually on Coinbase's show. They're starting a new show, and they asked me about what I thought about the phone. Oh, cool! What'd you say? I said talk to Raj tomorrow. So <laughs> I wish I would have talked to him yesterday. It would have made made the. Uh, I I I said that like I think. Um, he asked, do you think people will use it as their main device? And I said, I don't think people are going to call their mom on it, but it seems more of like that could be where all of your crypto stuff happens. Yeah. Like maybe I would call Dean, the producer of the show or Telegram Austin, your director of corporate communications, but that's going to be where all the crypto stuff happens. Yeah. Or where I use Steppen, where I keep my Solana bag. Well, you're. I'm guessing you're an iPhone user. Yeah, right? I've got yeah, yeah. two. So the the question, first of all, that's weird. One Why for the. Uh, <laughs> what's that song? 
I've got two phones, one for the... No, you don't know that song? <laughs> the rap song. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I have an iPhone. So, first of all, I guess the question you're asking is, would an iPhone user switch to Android for this purpose, for this device, for this use case? Or would they have two phones? Which I think... I think they would have two phones. Absolutely. I mean, I, th- I think... Because, look, come on, green dots? That's that. It's so crazy. I'm poor. It's so crazy and funny that that is the number one answer everyone will give you for why they're locked, most locked into the Apple ecosystem is the social pressure of the green. And actually, I you know, if you ask me, the contrast of that white against that shade of green (laughs) is just slightly less readable than the white on the blue Mm -hmm. in a way that it's actually a little harder to read. I Mm -hmm. think that's on purpose. Mm -hmm. It's not just the fact that it's green. And then you lose all this functionality of, you know, iMessage. They could make it blue. They they could make it it all work. Of course they could, right? It's lame that they're not. It is Uh, a little lame, but it works. It works well to keep... Americans, particularly, locked yes. into that ecosystem. But globally, Android has a lot more market share in smartphones. And I think that, you know, somebody looking at, at Saga, especially if they're an Android user, should not even be close to asking the question, do I need two devices? Because it's a flagship quality device. It's, it's built, a good device. Yeah, it's built by the I former, think... you know, architect of iPad Pro. You've got all your, you know, Android apps on it. It's it's maybe one of the first phones that'll ship with the latest Qualcomm processor. So it's it's a dope phone. It's very nice. Yeah. Um, I think like some people kind of, you know, n- made a little bit of fun of you guys, or at least at your expense, like, teased you a bit for launching a phone honestly if you would have just waited two or three weeks or a month i don't i don't have a good sense of the timing the exact use case of this type of device was on display with letters being sent to apple ceo tim cook and google ceo sundar Pichai on thursday from senator sherrod brown who basically asked these two firms to explain the processes that they have around reviewing and approving crypto trading and wallet apps. Huh. I didn't yeah. I, I didn't hear about that. And That's this interesting. Was after this inquiry was after some FBI report that warned about hundreds of investors being scammed out of millions of dollars worth of crypto. So in the letter written to Cook these senators said crypto mobile apps are available to the public through app stores, including Apple's app store. While cryptocurrency apps have offered investors easy and convenient ways to trade reports have emerged of fake crypto apps that have scammed hundreds of investors. And so then basically Brown asked the CEOs to detail how they review these. And I don't know. I mean, who knows what type of, you know, heavy handed type of regulatory, response might stem from that it seems a bit strange but even without senator government pressure these firms have never been all that friendly to crypto especially apple yeah um it's hard to know why i mean i think actually when we were thinking about the timing of the of the announcement of saga we were worried that at WWDC a couple weeks before, as we got closer, that Apple would have this whole slew of crypto-related features because 
the numbers in terms of active addresses, like on Solana monthly, it's like over 20 million and, you know, the growth and the interest and the level of kind of validation for the industry, I think has definitely hit all time highs in the last, you know, 12 months. So I think our expectation was that there would be somewhat of a, of a race to at least provide some basic functionality and that, you know, the Solana mobile team could through this device and through this platform, provide the tools, especially for Android uh, OEMs, yeah. to just always be pushing that experience because they, they, you know, from our experience looking at big Web two companies, it's really hard for their product teams to know, you know, yeah. how to how to not just shoot themselves in the foot, and so kind of just leading by example. And this is what I think, like all developers in crypto should be doing. Like, if you were at Apple, how would you build this product? If you build it, it's more likely that they're going to have to come in and compete and that'll legitimize it. But yeah, I mean, we were surprised that there was nothing, you know, at WWDC, just no, I think, even mention of crypto, not even Bitcoin, which at this point, I think would be like, who would complain about having a great Bitcoin wallet on their iPhone? You know, I think that's just an obvious, easy thing to do. Now, here's the other thing. You on your Twitter you describe yourself as an anti-maximalist. I did not do my own research. I'm assuming that's that's true, or at least is still current. At some point, can Saga expand to other blockchain ecosystems? I think that would definitely be an easy way to yeah, help totally it scale. Yeah, look, we've said you know from day one. I think maybe even in in the announcement event, maybe as part of the Q and A. I, I I don't remember, mm -hmm. but. There was and still is an open invitation from anyone in the Bitcoin ecosystem, Ethereum ecosystem, any others to come and submit pull requests. This whole thing is open source. So if there are ways that you want to, you know, create the same kind of experience for, you know, the Bitcoin asset, for Ethereum assets, just come come build it. The the reality is the team knows Solana best and is building for Solana because it gives the ability to create the user experience that we want to create. But I would love to see if by taking this big, you know, risky effort, we create a tentpole where everyone sees an opportunity to build the best possible crypto experience for whatever chain or whatever assets or whatever dApps they want within this platform. So even, you know, we called the Solana dApp store is called the Solana dApp store just for naming reasons. But even if it's not a crypto app, you know, if you wanted to launch games in there with no fees and then just maybe be open to launching NFTs or tokens in that game later, you can do that, mm. right? There's no there's no restrictions on that. Wow. Um, you know, if you're a developer that wants to build a Bitcoin wallet and use Seed Vault for seed storage for Bitcoin, you can do that. You know, actually, some people in the Solana ecosystem have kind of put their hand up to build some of this stuff out. But I think it would be much more interesting if folks from those foundations or you know, core contributors or whoever came in and did that together. I think I would even, you know, maybe say the the grants committee at the Solana Foundation would be interested in incentivizing some of that work. Interesting. And the other thing that they're working on is these hacker house events. I haven't been able to make what make it. I know. It's, what are you doing? There was one here in New York. It was it was amazing. You I missed know. it. I missed it. I've heard. Where was I? Probably here. <laughs> I was probably right here recording. We're doing too many shows. We do do a lot of shows. Yeah, you're, you're stuck at work. Yeah, in the office, office life. Yeah. What do you think about this 
office, uh, not the <laughs> your office, not our office. Are you an in the office proponent? This is almost becoming like a very divisive issue. It is. It's like part of the culture wars. That seem. I mean, does everyone just think we're gonna never <laughs> should be working person together again? No, I think I think it's just a question of how and when everyone comes together in person and where. And I kind of like the way A16Z kind of proposed it for for their firm. I don't know about the language of saying we're we're headquartered in the clouds, but they yeah, you it's know kind of lame. Eh, it, well, it caught, <laughs> it caught our attention. Kind of like software eats the world. It's catchy. Yeah, that was that's catchy. Yeah, they're just looking for their next hit. Yeah, they- <laughs> <laughs> it's like George Harrison. You know? Yeah. But, um, but you know, the way they framed it is we can, at a moment's notice, assemble all of our employees at any place in the world within, you know, X hours or days. Mm. And I think that's important. So you need for some period of time to be able to get everyone together, let's say for a really big strategic, you know, inflection point in the, in the company or the organization or the ecosystem's life. And then I think it's about, you know, where do people spend their, their day-to-day lives? Do people want to spend it, you know, at home because they're super productive and they're in a function that works really well remotely with other teams? I think it's more about meeting people individually where they are at that point, which is kind of the way, the way I approach it. And the hacker houses are a great way to get people together to tackle and solve some of the toughest problems facing the ecosystem. Yeah. Do they work? Like what... I think so. Have come out of them. So, first of all, there've been a ton of mostly demos. So, mm. um, I think your average hacker house—it's sort of hundreds of developers. I think in the, in the worst case scenarios, it'll be like fifty percent developers and fifty percent like creators, enthusiasts, designers, meme lords, edge lords. Yeah. I don't know, whatever. And then in the best cases, it'll be like ninety ninety eight percent developers. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think Bangalore, all developers, Seattle, all developers, mm-hmm. uh, New York, it was like, just frenzy, like everybody's building. And there's a little bit of competitive energy that kind of builds up because at the end of, you know, three days, it's basically a little hackathon. Right. And I think the value of the in-person is in between, what are you building? Look over your shoulder. Is this something I'm, I'm working on? Can we join forces? Can you answer my questions? Did I build something like that before? And you know, can I get unblocked because of you? Also people from Solana Labs, Solana Mobile, Solana Foundation, you know, Phantom, all the ecosystem teams, Magic Eden, people, you know, engineers just there to be helpful. And of course, you know, you can't do this every day. Just have people coming over your shoulder being, what are you doing? Can I, Mm. (laughs) you know, can I learn from you? But if you force it all into one place, and I think, you know, for whatever reason, Solana Foundation has been able to do that really well. We have some incredible people that, you know, this is their life. Like they love connecting people together in this way. And the ecosystem teams also, and kind of these People that we don't have a name for them, but just that play coordinator roles. They are great connectors and connective tissue. They make these experiences really, really magical and kind of just sort it out. So I think it's been super useful. A lot of demos have come out of these things. Like I think one of the first ones I saw was like Tiplink. So some of them are just very simple primitives, right? Mm-hmm. Tiplink is like I can send you a link, and that link is the wallet. Mm. And when you when you click it, you can see the USDC in the wallet. You didn't have to set anything up or do any seed phrases or anything like that. If that link gets to somebody else, they also have access to that wallet. But you can then choose to set up a new wallet and transfer things out, or you can just use that as your as your wallet if you want. So it's just like instant onboarding to a wallet. 
is that the product itself? I don't, I don't know, but I mean, I think making it and demoing it in three days and everyone around you seeing your journey towards producing that is just awesome. And, you know, I think, uh, it's happening all over the world now, which is incredible to see. Are you eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust? Chainalysis is here to help. Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Gain unparalleled visibility and maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting chainalysis.com slash the scoop now. This episode is brought to you by IWC. IWC Schaffhausen is known for continually innovating within the world of Swiss watchmaking. A pioneer in the use of titanium and ceramics, IWC today specializes in highly engineered watch cases manufactured from advanced materials such as colored ceramics, ceritanium, and titanium aluminide. This year's collection includes colored ceramic pieces in Lake Tahoe white and woodland green. Discover the new collection at IWC.com or download the IWC app to experience a virtual try-on now. I have to ask, how are fee markets working out on Solana? Um, I think good. They're happening. It's they're you know they're they're live. Um, people are submitting higher fees to get their transactions prioritized. I think there are some Dune dashboards showing the fee activity. So it's great. I think it's the design of fee markets that really you know it's deceptively simple, but it, it's awesome and and it's all oriented around these hotspots. And we wouldn't have known that these hotspots could exist in this way if we didn't have, you know, a year of these NFT drops, which we didn't even know Solana was going to be good or useful for when Solana was created. But, you know, who knew that 250,000 people and, you know, hundreds of thousands of bots would would want to produce 6 million transactions per second and 100 gigabits of ingress to get one asset all at the same time. And fee markets allows for pricing that captures the value of some of that hotspot kind of attention, but doesn't make it really expensive and and slow for you know regular USDC coffee shop uh, purchases that that happen across the street just because there's a, a another asset that people really want. So this is different from Ethereum, right? Where if one smart contract is really hot, like you know, I think the last example I remember is is when Board Ape Yacht Club uh, launched their other side real estate NFTs. The global fee market, the global gas market, uh, makes it really expensive for everybody. And you know, Anatoly could talk about this for days, and I think probably has in the last podcast. But we think this is important for layer one, right? Like you should have this ability to have hyper local surge pricing yeah. like uh you know fee markets on on layer so do you think if um bull market please bull market hits at some point will solana be safer now at that point safe from trolls <laughs> <laughs> no never safe from trolls <laughs> just um just not buckling Oh, in terms of outages yeah. and performance degradation. Look, I mean, I think uh, between fee markets and and the switch to to quick mm-hmm. instead of UDP and stake weighted quality of service, 
these are the upgrades. Like you, everybody can keep track of them at solana.com slash upgrades. Um, the first, you know, elements of each of these upgrades started to land in the release 1.10 a few weeks ago and performance was immediately extremely stable, way better. There have been lots of, you know, hot mints, lots of big trading days, lots of volatility, and, and we haven't seen any issues. That work is still rolling out. It's going to get even more mature. I don't know how long it'll be until, you know, the next time 250,000 people show up for one mint at the same time and, and bots, you know, create 6 million transactions. But I think everyone's feeling a lot more confident now and the network's only getting more and more robust. So back to these stores, can you get merch there? One can, can buy merch? One can purchase merch and one can use USDC and Solana Pay to purchase oh, nice. one's merch. Um, people are loving the merch, actually. If you want to you deep dive on merch? Yeah. All right, let's do this. So there's a bucket hat where one side is white and it says, wag me. <laughs> and then you flip it inside out and the other side is black and says NGMI. Nice. This is a big hit. That's huge. There's a shirt that says, not financial advice. Big hit. <laughs> um, there's shoes. People on Twitter love the shoes. Wow. These are from the Blank Souls team. They work with like the Sacramento Kings and did their shoes launch. And they have these NFTs with them. So they designed a Solana shoe. I, dude, it's the it's the dancing baby days, yeah, right? Like, yeah. let's have fun and you know, and and put these products out and see see what people think of them. But uh, I think Solana's always been famous for its swag. I remember, I think our mascot is Ledger status, you know, all swagged out with his you know thunder thighs. Yeah, <laughs> leaned up on the couch. Yeah, he's a beautiful specimen. Love that guy. Yeah, he's a nice guy. So. What are you most excited about, like looking towards the end of the year? What projects, initiatives? Yeah. Aside from measuring curtains for your new um, Manhattan place. Yeah. The office in New York, the Solana stores, the Saga, all super exciting. They have a ton of uh, milestones coming up. I think in terms of projects, the one that I'm really excited to see play out is Biomes. Do you guys know Biomes? No. So... Okay, I think there's a few things that kind of converge for for biomes to make sense. One is user generated, you know, NFTs haven't really picked up like real user generated, just constant flow of whatever users are creating, uh, becoming NFTs and becoming valuable and finding a market. Two is this whole metaverse kind of vision, and three is the performance of Solana just making it, you know, super fast for all this stuff to settle and and for transfers to happen. So Biomes is like, I think their website is biomes.gg. And mm. first of all, the team is incredible. It's a former kind of, you know, director level engineering and design talent from Instagram. So they really, you know, they've worked on stuff at scale. They get how to grow consumer products and they get user generated content for sure. But what they've built, um, I think it's coming out soon, is it's like Minecraft, but you know they did a lot of hard engineering work to make it work in browser across all uh, devices. So if I send you a link to my biome, you're in there with me. If we start chopping down a tree, we're getting wood tokens directly into our phantom wallets. 
if we assemble that wood, you know, into building materials, those are all tokens. It's all got, you know, a liquid global market. If we start making a cabin, you know, we can put our NFT pictures in there and we can, there's easy in-game selection tools for exporting that cabin to, you know, OpenSea or, or Magic Eden. And again, this is, it's, it's simple. It's, 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 it's a toy, but I think that like. But there's robust liquidity. I, I, they're, I don't know. They're, I don't know. But, <laughs> you know, I think what matters is it's really fast and approachable. You can just get in there and start getting tokens and also seeing, like, what is the value of my creativity? If people love going into Minecraft. They'll spend hours, yeah. dozens of hours making, like, Game of Thrones palaces. And, so, and, yeah. and Minecraft just announced that they're banning any use of NFTs yeah. for any Minecraft content, right? And it's also not... Like, it's just not easy to even export and import Minecraft assets when they're, once they're created. But it's universally really the most approachable, you know, and well-loved, like, sandbox game. Yeah, people and, love it. Yeah, and, and there have been other sandbox games, you know, for, for crypto and stuff. But I think what this one does is just makes every every element of it crypto-native. And they've made a lot of really hard decisions on on UX to make that happen. And what I really hope happens is there's just a flood of like incredible creations from four-year-olds, 10-year-olds. I mean, some of the best NFT projects we've seen are young teenagers sure. that are like developing their art style and, you know, allocating some percentage to charity. And so they're, they're seeing like the value of their creativity in a way that I wasn't able to do when I was, you know, a 14-year-old artist, right? And so I think that's just really powerful. I think they're a great artist? team. Yeah, I used to, you know, that was like the main thing I was good at when I was mm. growing up was was art. Um, I didn't do it because uh, I was really poor too. <laughs> <laughs> I was already poor. I didn't need to. I didn't need to be more poor. Yeah. One thing, you know, when you think about competition in the market, talked about scaling teams. Is there any concern that new blockchains like Aptos, which is built by those DM guys? Their coding language, I guess, is somewhat similar. So is there any concern that they may be targeting Solana developers? How do you keep the devs happy and interested? And I think at this point, it's so self-sustaining and self-growing. It A long time ago, it got to that point, mm -hmm. right? You know, at a certain point, we were asking at Solana Labs, what new products can we launch that might push the space forward or that might be a nice, interesting showcase of Solana's performance. And every week we, we thought we had a good idea, it was already getting built. Mm -hmm. We would just learn about it the next day mm -hmm. and it would just come, you know? So I think the entropy of developer growth and experimentation is is at such a breakneck pace. Like, I don't know if you guys saw this, but the, the hackathon that's going right now has almost 14,000 developers like that, that mm. right? This is the most participation from a hackathon mm. that we've ever seen in any hackathon, and it's now like in the yeah. you know in the depths of the bear market, and I don't know how that's happening. I mean, I, I think there's just a thousand forces coming together to mm -hmm. make that kind of momentum, especially in this market. So I think it's very self-sustaining and self-growing. There's people playing all kinds of roles to grow and nourish that ecosystem. You know, when I think about what is my role or what what should I be focusing on, I think it's these big platform level shifts or just things that nobody else can do. And those are pretty rare. That's why you you end up seeing, you know, a phone, mm -hmm. right? It's the only thing that can be launched that isn't 
obvious and, and very clear and accessible for any team to, to do. And so, yeah, I'm not worried about it. Also with Move, um, Solana announced support for Move and had a, a Move VM implementation right after uh, Libra created it and started, you know, evangelizing Move. We didn't see any demand for it at the time, but, you know, sometimes it's just a timing thing. It's, you know, Solana's built for many languages, anything that compiles with LLVM to, yeah. to be supported uh, on the network. That's why, you, you know, you already see some people using C++ and, and, and other things besides Rust. And, you know, if, if there's demand, I think it'll make a ton of sense to just, you know, take that out of the, the dustbin and support move and, and put more resources into it. How much does a language make a chain and support a, an entire new ecosystem? I think that's the question that we're about to see answered. Mm. And it's interesting. It's worth seeing. That is interesting. What's in a chain? What's in a programming language? Move is a good name, though. It's a good name. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining the show today. Thank you. Really it was a appreciate pleasure. it. Once again, we've been joined by our guest, Raj, co-founder of Solana Labs. Where can our listeners learn more about what you're doing and where you so, are? If your listeners are developers, Solana.com slash summer camp is the hackathon that's going right now. You know, um, dozens of mentors from across the industry, uh, sponsors like Stripe and, and Brave and others that are uh, supporting. And if you are interested in pre-ordering a Solana Saga, um, SolanaMobile.com. Mm. Um, also, Solana Mobile Stack developers can access documentation there. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to see, you know, what's going on in the ecosystem or learn anything else about Solana, Solana.com. And if you want to troll me, I'm at Raj Gokul. You get trolled a lot. I get lots of trolling. Yeah, it's great. It's my breakfast. I uh, I took Twitter off my phones. Wow. Yeah. Congrats, man. So I've only been tweeting at desktop. There it's should be like nice. an AA for Twitter. We should get you like a bat, like a. I think I'm. I think I'm, I should have like twenty tokens. Your token. Your Twitter sober. Uh relatively, yeah. I'm almost there. Thanks for taking the time, ladies and gentlemen. The scoop will be back for you again with another great guest. Have an awesome day.